0: The Luminous Possibilities Podcast. We offer a diversity of perspectives from many fields of medicine, esoteric and ancient wisdom, and subtle energy arts and sciences. Find deeply fulfilling pathways for co-creating yourself, life, and human communities around you. Find inspiring attunements to your own optimal living roadmap, true authentic self, and the most radiant frequency for living life to the fullest. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Luminous Possibilities Podcast. I'm Keenan White, one of your co-hosts, and I'm here with Andre Simoneau today. He is an information architect of types. He calls himself an interdimensional integrative architect. Am I getting that right?
1: Yeah, an international, an interdimensional integrative technology architect.
0: Beautiful. My relationship with Andre has been amazing he he's somebody who is always crossing into the innovative space and he has this sense of groundedness in in the material reality in in manifesting what what's possible and so there's there's this always this dance that i feel like you're you're doing between making things happen and actualizing and then looking into this creative visionary space and imagining beyond what is and what and imagining into the what is possible and so I really view you as a visionary thinker and I think architect is really perfect because I see you constantly in this space of sort of like designing and coming up with new ways of doing things and doing things in this larger sense of life um and you're a financial advisor of kinds um i'll definitely be happy to hear you introduce yourself in in that financial area um because i am sure you're gonna have a your own way of of putting all of that Um, but i I introduced this man with um, a lot of love and compassion. You've you've been a a mentor of mine and other people, and I've seen you help a lot of entrepreneurs um, more successfully enter into, um, expand, and create more fully in whatever creative endeavor they're doing. Um, And I've definitely been impacted by uh, your advice and your presence. Um, So without further ado, This is Andre. Andre, how do you want to
1: introduce yourself? Well, I've spent many years with many hats. Uh, It started as as a college student thinking I wanted to be an engineer, which is an architect of types, and building space bridges is what I thought I wanted to do. And after a few years of college, I figured out, you know what? I don't know that I like this book idea, and having to sit at a desk and And so I found myself leaning into a business training program that taught me entrepreneurship. And I, uh, uh, thank goodness closed my book, failed my calculus exam for the second time. And that was the last semester I spent at college and I had realized that today to be successful, doesn't always require a degree. Now, certainly there's programs in the United States that, certain positions, you got to have a, a degree to be a doctor and degree to be a lawyer. But this idea of wanting to be in business for myself, I found out that uh, the School of Hard Knocks or getting out in the world and doing something was a, a benefit to me. So I found a, a training program, I spent five years learning the ropes of being an entrepreneur. And basically, those are the the skills of doing sales, the skills of marketing this, how do you talk about yourself to people? how do you hold space for people? How do you mirror? How do you, what's the language that you use? And I then took that knowledge and applied it to some Verizon wireless stores and had a 15 year run owning some Verizon stores. And uh, in 2008, thank goodness the stock market crashed. I I couldn't say that then, but I can look (laughs) back on it today and, and realize that because the market crashed and I found myself out of business, I had to reinvent myself. And and I basically was like, what am I going to do when I grow up? And I was 38 years old, 36 years old. And I was able to take the knowledge and the business and being an entrepreneur for 20 something years and apply that to my next adventure. And today, um, uh, there's kind of two things I get to do. One is I get to create moments of awe with people by holding space with them, um, leaning into a conversation, loving on them and then helping them think through whatever is going on in their life and giving them a perspective that maybe they wouldn't take upon themselves because no, that seems too much or I'm allowed to do that. And by introducing it as a perspective that's possible, it opens people's minds. It opens their decision-making tree to a new set of decisions that although were there, they didn't think were there. Because they didn't realize that they could control the outcome
0: yeah I, I oftentimes see you reframing <laughs> i don't know if often the right word it's actually just constantly um, and you're- co- it's like you're constantly reframing things in a way that supports like living more fully and vibrantly into something and, and then in this expanded sense of self and as an aquarian um the idea of like you reinventing yourself makes so much sense. Cause I feel like that's what Aquarius is all about. It's, it is about invention and innovation. And sometimes it's the most pressing sort of like dire scenarios that often um, generate this inspired innovator archetype. Um, so from, you know, from a young age, you thought you were going to be engineer. I did too. And actually I, I didn't do so hot in in calculus i was like i don't think engineering is really great for me either we have a very similar background in that sense um and i I sort of went a different way but when you sort of you know you you're at that marker point in your life was there a a certain point thereafter that you knew you would be an entrepreneur or or was it something that that kind of came from a, a few trial runs
1: that's a good question i i first remember I actually can take it back to when I failed out of college the first time and I had a 0.6 GPA after two semesters and the university said, I'm sorry, but you must take a mandatory semester off and how smart of them to push me away and test me to see if I really wanted to come back. And I remember answering an ad that said, uh, Ben and Jerry's ice cream manager wanted, and I thought to myself, I was 18, I think 19. I thought to myself, well, every manager started somewhere. And so I walked in there and I said, hi, I'm here for the manager's position. And they're like, have you, do you have any experience? I'm like, nope, but every manager started somewhere, right? And uh, <laughs> that was just enough that they said, okay. And they uh, they took me on and started training me. And I, and I see that as probably, today I see that as the, probably my first step into that entrepreneur that like hey i can do something different i can do something bigger i can think out of the box and then i found myself back in school the next time uh, because i did decide to go back and see if i could give a second stab at you know getting a higher gpa and i remember being in this business training program that coincided with my last two semesters at college and That business training program was basically entrepreneurs teaching entrepreneurs how to have success, how to market themselves, how to do sales, how to uh, dream big, how to think about uh, outside of the box and not just um, going and getting a job. And I found myself going, wow, that's what I want to do. I don't know what I want to do, but that's what I want to do. And this idea of creating something that was mine or that I got paid for my value and paid for my worth and paid for my knowledge and for what I brought to the table instead of just a wage for the hours that that particular job would would provide and so that was my that would be my second pivotal point was being in this training program that for five years I spent doing sales and making phone calls and marketing myself and and actually building people which I also found at the Ben and Jerry's was I really liked the idea of understanding humans and the interpersonal communication piece of it. And part of that business training program for me was, um, was, was reading books, was attending trainings and marketing classes. And I found myself having this just amazing knowledge of people. And I look back now on it. I feel like I have a interpersonal uh, communications degree and I have a marketing degree and I have a entrepreneurial degree and a CPA's degree. I mean, I've had I've done so many things that I get to this point today where it's, as I meet people and I'm holding space for them and what they're going through, it's taking a piece of my knowledge and my history and my experience and just saying, well, what if? And that creating of the one if gets people thinking outside of their normal box and And then guiding them through some, you know, sometimes it's just a process of like thinking through a different way to make something happen. And sometimes, well, maybe not sometimes, but, you know, so often we're not supported, you know, our culture teaches like this is what you're supposed to do and go get a degree and go get a job and work for somebody. And it's, and it's, and yet it just, there's not a lot of, a lot of people teaching that you don't have to do that.
0: It's interesting. I'm like, I'm getting this thing come up around conditional and unconditional love where conditional love is like, sometimes when you say, well, if you do this, or if you don't do this, then X condition. And therefore, and you're holding something to some, you're holding somebody to something, perhaps And this condition can lock us in to such a limited point of view. Um, and I'm kind of seeing, well, on the other side, you have unconditional love where like whatever condition is present, there's love and it doesn't matter. Um, and so that's, it seems like an art for all of us to learn that one. Um, and yet like, it's like you're using the what if almost to break people out of the limiting condition and to consider another condition, a a more expanded condition mm-hmm. that's possible. Um and so there's, there's always a possibility of another, of another way, another mm-hmm. way of being, another way of doing. Um, so I, I just want to honor you, and I appreciate that quality that you, that you offer mm-hmm. and express regularly.
1: There's a book called uh, The Third Door. I think it's Alex. And if I said his last name is either ben yan or Ban yan And he talks about, you know, there's the front door to walk into somewhere. There's the back door sometimes is the service entrance. and You know, people do use the back door, but then there's always a third door and that third door is some chance meeting, or maybe it wasn't so chance. You met this person on purpose at a coffee shop that earlier that day who happens to be going to where you're going and they're already getting in. And that's the third door. And it's a door that you hadn't considered was possible Uh, Whether you know, maybe it's getting into a club, maybe it's getting into a program, maybe it's getting into a, you know, some event that you didn't, As an example, uh, I was taken to my son to the Minecraft concert, the Minecraft convention. The game. Uh, yeah, the game, the yeah. game Minecraft. Yeah. And so we had bought plane tickets to take him to the Minecraft convention. The problem was, is that you couldn't get tickets. Like every time tickets opened up, we'd try to buy them and, and they'd, they'd sell out. So we didn't have tickets but we had plane tickets to fly there. And so the plan to get into the convention, because we didn't have a ticket to get in the door, the back door, which I don't know what it would have been the back door, but my back door was, you know, what I'll do is I'll stop at the nearest Ben and Jerry's ice cream store in where the convention is and I'll buy four big giant tubs of, of ice cream and I'll show up at the door with, (laughs) with a, you know, with a little wheelie rack and four giant tubs of ice cream from the scoop shop with, you know, 500 scoops or 500 uh, spoons and, and um, napkins. And I'll just say, hi, my name is Andre and my son and I are here to deliver ice cream to all the people that are working the event.
0: Nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that was going to be.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah,
1: I'm bummed because. Uh, tickets did open up like the day before we flew out and so I bought some tickets <laughs> 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 but I fully had this like back door third door way to get in because p- who's going to turn away 20 pounds of ice cream or or what would it be 20 gallons of um, Jerry's right. ice cream right like, come like, on in come on in here's your stamp for your pass and here's your son's pass and after <laughs> you guys scoop the ice cream you should go hang out for the day totally. it's like we're in
0: that's amazing yeah. so it's like really <clears throat> like dreaming up the the possibility. I mean, it's like if we give ourselves enough space and time to create, so maybe you can speak to that a little bit Mm -hmm. because it seems you, you really hold that capacity for that. And so in terms of developing that or like understanding, um, perhaps even kind of giving, giving your, your take on like how to how to like develop that capacity basically to consider these infinite possibilities to consider the luminous possibilities
1: mm, that's a good book too infinite possibilities by mike dooley if, if you haven't read that he's have amazing not- and wrapping up the did you know that what you think is what you create and uh which reminds me to tell you about avra Kadavra. but first i'll answer that question which is there comes a point of uh, at some point I made this decision and I I can't put my finger on when, but I I simply went to my encyclopedia or my dictionary and I ripped the page out that said can't or no. I just removed it. And I got into this place where what I recognized was the only limiting factor tends to be us humans, right? The only reason I can't do something is because I thought I couldn't do it. And you could take that from, you know, the guys that take their skateboards and jump over the great wall of China while having a broken leg, right? The only reason he thought he could do it is because he thought he could do it. So he did it, right? Well, everybody else would be like, first of all, how do you jump over the great wall? And two, how do you do it with a broken leg? Because he had broke his leg on a previous jump that he didn't land. Mm. And so he was already in China. So he was like, I probably don't want to give this opportunity up. So I might as well get back up there and try it again. So... The idea is, is there is no can't, there is no no. Um, there's only uh, maybe, or there's only like how do I? I often use the words, you know, what if I could wave the magic wand? And when you give people the ability to think like a ten or twelve or fifteen year old, where the whole world's their oyster, and they don't have any, um, you know, we grow up and we learn that we're not that things don't work out or that we're not supposed to be able to do things or there's a certain can't or you shouldn't or conformity or or our culture or society says no or that makes us uncomfortable don't do it there comes this point of like well what if i can do it you know uh, elon musk decides um why don't we build an electric car you know why don't we start an elect why don't we start a car company everybody's told them they couldn't And he said, well, why don't we shoot rockets into space and then have them land on a floating barge in the ocean run by AI. Right. And so at some point, Elon was like, well, why can't we do that? And he set out to see if we could, and you never know what you can do until you step past the, I can't.
0: Right. I love that. It's kind of just looking the limitation in in the eye and considering something else like okay this is not my limitation i was kind of refusing Mm. that it is a limitation because really if it's a limitation it's a perceived limitation so it's it's that original perception and every perception really is you know it's only really one perspective of a multitude of perspectives Mm. possible um so i always i always consider that piece of like huh Like here, I am perceiving in this way, and I I may think that I'm righteous in this way. But what about what about the other ones? I I, it's almost kind of I guess what's coming through for me is thinking about the the idea of being right. It's like wherever we're right about something can be such a holdback. And so that question, you know, where do you think you're right? I think is a really a big one to kind of start thinking like where am I holding something that I believe to be true that that really may not be? Mm-hmm. And am I open to considering another possibility there? Yeah.
1: The question I often ask is, how can we both be right? Or how can all of the answers be the right answer? And in, in reframing the question from the perspective of, well, if you're right, then I'm wrong. Or if the way you do it is the best way or the right way, my right is the wrong way. it's For me, it's how do I, how do, I do it your way and do it my way? And do it his way. Yeah, yeah. You're you're reminding
0: me of that gene key, and I don't remember which number it is, but it's it has to do with genius mm. and the shadow is compromise. Mm-hmm. And so there's this piece and this element of, um, and for those who haven't read of the heard of the gene keys or dipped into it, it's an amazing book um, written by Richard Rudd. And so with this particular key. Um, and I guess I'll say another thing about it. It's it's sort of overlaid over the 64 hexagrams of the I Ching. And he brings in other elements to it. But I think it's this really nuanced, in-depth perspective on the I Ching, which is really this ancient Taoist book of change and, and nature. Um, the Tao, which is sort of like the ineffable, um, all that is nature, you know, if I'm going to try to put it into words, um, it's, it's the changing rhythmic universe in nature. So this, these gene keys are incredible for considering universal aspects that are, that are sort of latent or active in our DNA. And a lot of us are, you know, we're coming out of sort of like this lower vibrational way of life into a higher frequency, which is really what he labels as the city. And so that's
1: S-I-D-D-H-I.
0: Thank you for that. So there's the shadow, the gift, and the city. There's three aspects for each gene key. And with this one, I, I believe, I'm not sure if I can recall the gift, but for the city, maybe the gift is genius, but either way, um, you know, the idea is that we all have a, ge- a genius. And the shadow being compromise, it, it's just going hand in hand with kind of what you're saying there around if it's if there's a win-lose, then then there's a compromise. But if there's a win-win and it's how do we how do we both win here because that that is a possibility um, then to me there's there's a, a sense of okay how can we create that or put together an original way of thinking in which both people don't have to compromise or maybe all parties in, involved don't have to compromise and then there's this like kind of birth of this like kind of the muse or this like creative way of thinking about a, a problem or a limitation and genius arises Um, and I feel like I don't know sure if you if you maybe have that particular one or you might speak around that but
1: well what's beautiful about the gene keys and this idea of the shadow the gift in the city is that in order for the gift to show up we usually have to have some amount of shadow in, in the book, when he talks about the shadow, it's not that the shadow is a negative thing. It's the shadow, and you were talking about in this Gene Key, is compromise. And so it's compromise that shows up. And in order for the shadow to transform, it's the work. It's what we get to wrestle with or, or grapple with is the shadow of compromise. And as we understand compromise and how it shows up in our life, we can see that by using and, and choosing not to compromise, our gift, which if it's, if it's um, what was the gift? Genius, genius, then our gift, or if it's the city, it's our genius, but it's, we need, we need the shadow. We need the struggle. We need the, the piece that, that happens that we perceive as a negative thing or something that's not positive or it's hard. And yet it's exactly that reason that, we got to wake up to our gift or we got to experience the city
0: yeah it's 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 almost like um it goes along just with what you said you know like if you're not able to get into a show it could be the worst thing ever and so the expression might be oh man i've got to compromise in this way or it's it's not going to work out because of this or there's that that point of it's a choice point creating something new from that place and i think one of the core essential teachings he has is that it's actually in the shadow that we need to own. Like we need to
1: own the shadow to live into the gift and yes. the city. And, and that, that I think is the spark of entrepreneurship bringing it full circle because that entrepreneurial spark that we have, that choice to do something more, that how do I solve this problem in a way that doesn't currently exist or how do I do it better or how do I do it to a niche is usually because we find ourselves in some type of a shadow, some type of a struggle, some type of a, this isn't exactly where I want to be. And when that shows up, then we get to lean into it, own it, as you've said, experience it. And then for me, it was, Um, I had 15 years in managing and owning um, in Verizon retail stores. I had three stores on the East Coast and five stores here in Colorado. And as 2008 happened, it just, I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't good with my money. I wasn't watching. And all of a sudden I'm upside down and I'm like, what just happened? And I didn't, wasn't paying attention to the stock market. And so that I can, I can look back now and say, thank goodness that happened because it's what got me out of that business. And it's what got me thinking about what to do next. It got me thinking about what else, what's my passion. And if the market hadn't crashed, I would have just tried to keep doing it. I would have just tried to make it work. And so it was, it was a real you know, stake in the ground where it was like, nope, this is done. And that could be akin to the shadow of, okay, so what's the spark? So that this is over, what will I do next? And I think part of, or where I find myself having great passion and, and so much empathy for others is meeting people in that space when they find themselves there, asking the question, what do I do? What's next? And it's, it's often easier for somebody who's not in that situation to be able to look past it or, and see what else, what else could happen and what else could be possible. Uh, yeah what's the saying forest through the trees I can't see the forest through the trees
0: yeah yeah something like that it's probably why business consultants exist right and do pretty well right you know yeah whatever you're you've got your head in the bush you can't see the forest maybe that's a new
1: one (laughs) yeah that's a new one um and so I see that that piece that piece shows up for me you said something earlier that made me think of being an empath and I hadn't realized it until maybe 10 years ago. And I always felt everybody around me. I was, I was always the uh, requisite person in the classroom to express what everybody in the classroom was thinking, but was afraid to say. So I get myself in trouble a lot because I'd raise my hand and I'd ask the really obvious question you shouldn't ask the teacher. And I'd get kicked out of class for that's don't ask that question is really what they were saying. You know, don't put me on the spot and make me answer that. I don't have an answer for that, but that's the question I would ask.
0: Maybe not the entrepreneurial that that teacher <laughs> doesn't correct. want to
1: think. <laughs> <laughs> that's correct. And it, and it wasn't until my daughter was, I noticed that she was an empath. And as I started to study and read, I learned, oh my gosh, I'm an empath. I feel people. And that has, uh, in the last 10 years for me, really opened the door for, for myself and my awakening of being able to hold space for others and feel what people are feeling and have their experience and then be able to, um, in, in the movie The Matrix, the Oracle tells Neo that he can't, he can't make decisions beyond points that he can't see, which is the same right it's it's called faith it's like i'm gonna trust that this might work and because i can't see around the corner i don't know what's there and sometimes that's the spark of being an entrepreneur that's this that's the spark of that
0: yeah and i think well it dawns on me first of all that maybe the class clown archetype being lived out is is maybe there's maybe there's more empathy there than we realized you know the the person speaking for the group uh feeling the group energy and being willing to express. Um, But yeah, the, the, the other piece you said about Neo. Yeah. It reminds me like in relationships, it's, it, it, it ties in to relationships and partnerships in a, in an interesting way, which are hugely part of owning a business or being an entrepreneur. And, um, Unfortunately, I think, well, it depends on how you look at it, right? Because there's, there's a fortune to it too. But there's this part, I think, where sometimes people do get stuck, and I've been here too, you know, where we view a person from the past. And to take the leap of faith in a relationship to me is like this constant renewal that we're in. And it's sort of like if I see you and we see each other regularly, and I can ask myself or ask you, "Who are you today?" Then it's it sort of it's sort of almost like the the act of faith, in that sense, because I could hold you to the past, and I could I could say, "Well, you've been this and you've been that." So how are you going to do the same thing again? And think about how limiting that is. Yeah. Where the the new possibility exists in seeing. Who you know that well, trusting more or less that this person has taken away something from their past and then they're presenting a new thing. Um, and so it's, I'm even kind of seeing how compassion weaves pretty nicely into that too, because there's a way of compassionately looking um, or, you know, compassionately looking at someone and. Being open to a new condition, you know, and, and perhaps that is closer to the to an unconditionally way of loving someone, whether it's in a business
1: or a love
0: relationship.
1: Yeah, it it brings up for me this this idea of uh, love is the answer. It's it's when we talk about business, it's almost uh, or entrepreneurship, it's it's almost that love. In the way that we show up for ourself. So let me, the way that I show up for myself from a place of love, the more I can love myself, the more ability I have to love others. And and almost you could say it the other way is that my, I'm limited. My ability to love others is limited by my ability to love myself. And as I learn more about relationships and, and myself and finding myself and finding out who I am and, and how I show up, that love that I can have for me, then allows me to love people more. And our culture and our society doesn't really teach that. And I don't I mean, there's some niche places that it's that it's taught, but I think it doesn't feel like it's a overarching, although it does start to happen. I, I feel like as I look for it. And so maybe it's been here all along. <laughs> and as I'm looking for it, I'm starting to see it because it's been there waiting for me. And that that piece of um, how I get to show up and what I get to do is creating places for other people to have possibilities. That's one of the things I love about luminous possibilities. You know, as we as, as you proposed this idea, luminous possibilities, and I started to listen to you talk about what its goals are, and how it's going to show up in the world, and how we're going to make a difference in, in people's lives at every level, uh, only limited by the level they choose, is that, you know, luminous is a light word, and light goes to energy, and everything is energy, and if you look at you know, everything in the galaxy, everything in the universe, everything that we do, it's its light or it's energy and it's either faster moving energy or slower moving energy. And and we can use the word frequency, you know, light's one of those things that gets to be uh, both uh, what a wave and a photon. Thank you. Yeah. You know, and it gets to kind of dabble in both places. And we talk about luminous possibilities, which is, you know, so What's the energetic possibility here? What's the frequency possibility here? What's the business possibility here? What's the emergence of the light possibility here? What's the, you know, taking it to Richard Rudd's gene keys and talking about how the 64 gene keys are in each of us. And it's which ones stand out to us based on our birth date, uh, kind of an astrological symbol. When and where were you born on the planet as to what frequency, what light was emitting on you from what astrological beings at that moment of birth and so that particular frequency is kind of what formed you into this you know pot of two cells dividing and dividing and dividing <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow i love it that's
1: kind of cool totally
0: yeah that's uh i suppose that's what i was considering with that name is that it is all light and it's all frequency and it's one of the same. And we can we can see how light really is. It takes on a wavelength and it takes on a photon form. And it's um, so really it's, a, it's alluding to an infinite amount of possibilities. Um, of course, I think a lot of the universe is also dark matter, which is what what they are calling an absence of light so maybe there's another element in here we we need to include. <laughs> it's
1: called space. You have to have space, right, in order for the light to move between the shadow. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a great way to look at it.
0: Yeah, we need that shadow
1: in order to have our gift.
0: In order to have the light. or city. Right. Totally. Um, there's so many ways to take this. It's so fun talking with you because I feel like we can go anywhere. Um, I kind of want to tie it a little bit back into um, how you've been a a mentor for entrepreneurs and okay. There's one thing I wanted to, to kind of go with too, which is the sacred mirror idea. Mm -hmm. And this, this is kind of tying into your previous comment about bringing love into business. And um, it's perhaps what you were saying. But this element of where self-love is so vital and important to the way we show up loving another and being compassionate, showing up with with these possibilities, really. Um, And the sacred mirror is is that concept is so useful. And it's something that I feel like you operate well within and are practically embodying, if not are at this point, where you really feel like the sacred mirror. Um, And so maybe you might speak around that a little bit.
1: Well, first I receive that acknowledgement. I see uh, receivership as the next or the highest value or the highest um, version of love. You know, you have love, which we always felt like it was the highest or the most. And then there's this, I receive your love and to acknowledge that to somebody and let them know we're receiving it's important. Yeah. It's nice because you have
0: I love you as the common and then to say I receive that is like the next yeah. It's almost like the 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 complementary puzzle
1: piece. It's it's both an acknowledgment to the person saying I love you and then for myself in my system in my heart it's the telling and allowing myself and my heart to hear myself saying I'm receiving it almost like I'm speaking it into existence, which remind me of Avra Kadavra. And the sacred mirror comes from this idea that when I show up in relation with another person, that other person is actually another version of myself. And a version of myself that when I do something that... uh let me say it the other way. When somebody does something, then I see that them, they, I see that happen, or I see a, a situation, positive, negative, good, bad. Um, just those are adjective words. But what happens is, is that I get to show up as like that person is a mirror for me. So if it creates a charge in me, if somebody says something, and all of a sudden I feel that as a charge, what that usually means is that there's some part of me that that whatever that person did was something either incongruent with myself or something I hadn't maybe recognized or made me uncomfortable or has a past hurt or a past trauma and so that person gets to show up as a mirror for myself and so the choice I'm making is instead of seeing that person as like well you did that to get back at me or you did that to hurt me or you did that so that I would be uncomfortable it's you are just doing your own thing and because it's already in me, I get to recognize it as a mirror and actually see that it's me that's having the reaction. It's not this other person. Yeah, there's almost
0: there's this level of opportunity there. Yes. Instead of this, like a travesty, there's opportunity. Correct. Oh, I get to look at this side of myself.
1: Yes. I get this chance to polish this part of my mirror. And that changes the dynamic of going through the world because where I, I, I feel like, so often we feel like things happen to us, versus I'm getting to experience them happen with me. And
0: we all have, our, we all have
1: stuff from our past. We all have the way we were raised, a, a relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend, friendships, divorce. Um, I lost my favorite stuffy animal on the airplane. Whatever the, whatever the situation was, it gets triggered and it causes a charge. And by choosing to see every situation that it's a mirror, then I get to work on myself and polish my mirror, which then then changes the opportunity from I'm blaming somebody to how does this show up for me to make me more crystalline and to make me more clear, to make me more polished, to make it so that light can travel through me without getting stuck or buggered up, right? When, when you shine light through something, uh, it will come out with a hue of whatever the color might have been inside, or if it's really pure, you know, light will show all the colors. And so it's this opportunity for me to really experience myself, because I can't experience myself by myself. If I'm all alone, then I just think everything's perfect. Life is grand. There's never anything that goes on. And it's kind of blah. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, I think it's <laughs> And uh but when I have somebody else, and it can be from a relationship, a girlfriend, a spouse, a best friend, uh, somebody, customer service line, it could be uh, somebody on an airplane, and it's an opportunity to, to hold that space for myself and have an experience. And, and then look at that and go, why did that happen? Where was the charge? What do I get to learn? What's the benefit?
0: yeah, there's a there's a beautiful idea of self-discovery through every moment with an interaction or a relationship we take to anything. whether it's a person, it's an object on our table, our desk, it's the dog or you know it's our shoes that we're about to put on. There's a relationship we have to everything. Um, and each relationship we take is an opportunity for self-discovery, potentially. Um, but but a way of also relating to oneself because there's a, there's always a mirror to every relationship we have back to ourself. So I, I find that, that that path of self-love has a lot to do with, with that, it has a lot to do with recognizing these inherent relationships that we have with everything. And so even if people aren't around, it could be um, just how we're relating to our food mm-hmm. or to... The door we're walking through
1: i have these three dogs that i live with and if 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 i didn't know better i would say that one of those dogs is always 10 percent awake listening for any sound in the house right. so that that one jelly can start barking to let the other two know and then can run up the stairs to get some attention and some love and so it's when I, that could be really frustrating why is that dog barking it's seven o'clock in the morning Right. How did she hear me three floors away at the top of the <laughs> stairs, one little creak, and now their house is barking? And, and when, I change the, when I change it, when I reframe it, and I see it as, oh, she just wants some hugs, and she just wants some cuddles, and she wants some snuggles, and this is her way of telling the world, hey, come find me, I'm here, don't you hear me barking? I want some snuggles. And it allows my system to go, okay, you're, you're, you're wanting attention, you're wanting some love. Instead of like, you're just woke me up or you're just barking because you're mad. And and that's that piece of, okay, so there's a mirror there. So then the next thing I go to is, how does that show up for me? Where do I bark when I'm interrupted? Or where do I, um, where am I extra loud to get attention? And why? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be positive or negative. Because right? there is, there's one of the things I've learned recently is that there really is no positive negative events are just events. And it's my perception or my projection as to whether I see it as a positive thing or if I see it as a negative thing. And what I'm realizing is that all the past things in my life that I thought were negative events, when I go back now from this reframe and this perspective and I go look at that situation, I find that, yeah, okay, that's the negative thing that happened. Like when the market crashed and I went out of business, but then what was the positive? Well, I actually didn't work for the next six months. I had a, I had just enough to be able to like chill and sleep until I was done, go to bed when I was ready, was catch up on my sleep, change my eating habits, show up as a, as a dad for my kids. And that changed my perception my and it changed the way that I viewed the world. It's amazing it ties right into health and healing because
0: these conditions people often times find themselves in, Perhaps they're they're you know creating this bedridden component and quality to life where we're we have to just turn off, turn down, and go within. And it's like, oh, I'm sick, I can't do what I want, I can't do this, all this. And the reframe is really like, Well, okay, what's the benefit? And it's like, oh, I don't have to do as much work. I get to slow down. I get to go within, I get to maybe watch TV or, or hang out and just turn myself down or off. And it's like, wait, I've been, I've been needing that. I've been working my tail off. And and so there's dis-ease to me is really it's the feedback from the body that is representative of um, what needs attention, what needs love. And to me, like the love there's so many ways to define it but love has this oneness this wholeness if something's out of balance it's just pointing to the other side and we live in this world of polarity where you know to to have balance in one's life is almost this myth because and in some ways it kind of is like we're like we're always in balance and there's this almost absolute truth that things are are in balance and yet to learn and be in the world we have to like go go out of the center of the 12th spoke wheel of our dharma our ultimate truth and enter into this karma or this this um the quantum the quantum field in which something may become lopsided and inform us of a way to return back to center um and i just kind of think about it as that that dance of through polarities to the center and and back and yeah. Contraction,
1: expansion, contraction, expansion. For as far as the pendulum can swing to one side, it will equally swing to the other. And that's one of the seven hermetic truths. And and it it's necessary. It's part of the universe. It, it, you can't have hot without cold. You can't have dark without night. You can't have love without sad. And when you put a limit on one of those, you're putting a limit on the other side of the, of the equation. You know?
0: Yeah, it's a great reminder for people who are in it, who have a health condition, or are in a business, and you're just feeling like you're, you've are you been putting this time in, or you can't quite make it there, and there's been times where I'm like, what am I doing, you know, with what I'm doing, and it takes time to build something up, but there is this vacuum that cr- gets created, excuse me, with um, holding a polarity, being in some condition, there there is the arise of its opposite. And I think remembering that is, is essential in terms of owning your own business or, um, you know, refining your health
1: practices or attaining
0: health, maintaining
1: health. It makes me think of, as you were talking about the, when things happen from a health condition and you find yourself with more time and more rest and more calm. The question I like to ask people is when was the most recent time you asked for this?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and people kind of look at me like, I didn't ask for this. And it's like, well, hold on. So maybe you didn't ask for this direct situation, but let's talk about the outcome that you're experiencing right now. Uh, when when I had this business go out of business in 2008, if, if I had been there, uh, I'll send myself back through time travel and I'll ask myself the question, so when was the most recent time you asked for this? I can actually remember that I was at a point where it was a lot of work and a lot of hours and uh, in my business, the work was, the commissions were getting tighter and tighter and it was getting harder and harder and you had to do more and more business and you had to expand to make it work. And I was just having kids and I was like, I don't want to do this. This is not, it's not exciting to me anymore. And so the question, so when was the most recent time I'd asked for this would have been probably six weeks ago. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to have to pay the rent. I don't want to have to handle all of this income and money going in and money going out. And there's an event. And then the next question I would ask people is So, what was the event that happened that you asked for this? And there's usually some physicality, you know. And I had moved from. Uh, Maryland to Colorado and started a business over again. And, and there was a question mark there. It was really exciting and it was really trepidatious. It was like, this is a new market. This is a new area. And there was an event that uh, from that point, when I moved there to, to about a year in where money got really tight. And I was like, that was an event where I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And, and then I asked the question. So when was the time before the event that you asked for this? And inevitably everybody always has these three responses and what these three responses come back to is I asked for it. There was an event that I asked for it and then I asked for it earlier. And so I'm the one that manifested the crash of the stock market in 2008 (laughs) because I wanted to get out of my business. Yeah, (laughs) And and it was probably me and a bunch of other people who wanted to change, Mm. but it's recognizing that I manifested that. That's something that I created because I didn't directly know what the outcome was, but what I knew is I wanted a change. I wanted something different. I wanted a new something. And the only way I knew to get myself to go find something new was to have it go away what I was currently doing.
0: Yeah, there's such a level of creationship in life with every thing and every one where whatever happens, I mean, there's we're so powerful with our thoughts and our words. And that idea of abracadabra is the idea of magic um, through what's spoken. And there's a real element to that. I always thought thoughts carry weight. Mm
1: -hmm. And so when I feel heavy with thoughts, I write. And aren't thoughts electrical impulses? Yeah. And aren't electrical impulses light?
0: Right. Mm. Right. Yeah. So there's this component i think of just like relating to the thoughts like if there's so many thoughts going on it seems like the probably the number one principle in coaching people is getting them on on board the train of hey your thoughts are powerful and they're creating everything and so that first look at the patterns of negative thinking or even even positive thinking into an imbalance, but whatever thought patterns are, are present, you know, connecting them to whatever showing up in the external world, I think that's a huge key. Um, And then then starting to define and envision up use the imagination, uh, which in yoga, it's said all the time, you know, the God is, is power and power is the imagination using this force, this divine force in us that is our imagination to create something from nothing and dream up our world into being the world that we most, you know, want to live. Um, Yeah, the the thing we're most called to really underneath
1: the surface. People say, uh, be careful what you ask for. Right, and, and they're usually meaning it in a negative connotation. To something happened, you know, you're you got in a car accident, for you know, as an example, or something you lost your job, and people are, you know, they say, bit, "Well, you better be careful what you ask for." And the reframe that I really like is, "No, be intentional with what you ask for, because as you're saying, our words, they're creation. Uh, you just said abracadabra." and abracadabra comes from um, an ancient aramaic saying which is avra cadavra and avra cadavra transliterated from ancient aramaic into english means as i speak so shall i create and so there was a time when avra cadavra was i mean everybody knew what you spoke was created and the magicians the people who carried that Um, you know, they would say abracadabra and pull a rabbit out of a hat because, you know, and I know there's a slight, there's some magic there, but it's recognizing that, as you've said, our words are important. Our words are, uh, Mike Dooley, you know, that thought, thoughts become things and that thought creates an emotional feeling in us and that emotional feeling, if we can anchor to that, allows us to feel and that feel is what gives us energy and that energy is what creates uh, attraction and, and the opening up to infinite and luminous possibilities
0: totally yeah the the perception creates the belief the belief creates the personal reality the personality the personality creates the personal reality and i always find that the the context of what we experience emotionally matters so much because we tend to perceive in a way negatively or positively based on what we're feeling. And so if we're having a really hard time and it feels painful, pain is involved, we may perceive negatively. And so I think a lot of what trauma-informed work is, is going back in and seeing at the moment we may have created an agreement or belief based on what we perceived um, as this negative story, so to speak, for an emotional experience that wasn't really negative or positive, but maybe it was painful. And we decided something, we decided to hold on to some belief. And that belief created the pattern. And that pattern created this rhythm way of being in the world, that if we find ourselves to be limited in that, then the transformation process has everything to do with going back in, recognizing that this past is still present and relating to that past point in a new way, making a new decision based on new possibilities that are imagined up, Um, imagining, you know, in a new way of bonding with the other side or the side that you really want. Um, That doesn't later you know maybe like the original one had uh rule your life in some way where you're not feeling like the emperor anymore um and in some ways i feel like that's really that you know where when we're we have a pattern that's ruling our lives it's it's where the the true emperor has lost his seat and that's the 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 heart the heart being at, at the center and when the mind these perceptions that are you know governing all these beliefs and these realities that we have, when that's occurring, then there's, there's a, um, a kind of loss of truth, I think, because the the, the truths that may have been held within the mind are not, um, they're not of the heart and the heart, the heart, there's an isness. There is a, um, a gray blending of polarity, uh, a non-dualistic, Uh, state of consciousness in the heart and the dualistic state of consciousness is in the mind in this perceiving element of our of our existence so getting back to the heart i mean that that to me is the radiance and i think that goes so far in a business so far in, in a creative endeavor where when you can allow that truth of the heart to to be the ceo where love is your boss and you're, you know, you're consulting at that level, then things seem to be a hell of a lot uh, a lot easier.
1: Yeah. And, and it, it, taking that to the sacred mirror, it's the mind that creates the habits. It's the mind that has the situation that happened. And then it's the mind that sees through the mirror and it sees the unpolishedness of the mirror. And that's where that reaction comes from. It's where the charge comes from and the heart it doesn't it feels and it might have that experience but the the choosing to experience it and say hey how do i polish that part of my mirror so that i can lead from the heart so i can run a business from the heart so i can show up in love so i can be present and and give in a way that uh, is is what feels to me like it's our new commodity as we as we lean into business, you know, into this new era of interaction in this new era of collaboration with people and luminous possibilities, it's working together, and and doing it from a heart place. And I've had this idea over the last couple of years that, you know, in the past, entertainers were the highest paid people, you know, and then before that, maybe it was, you know, doctors that could keep us alive. And as I see us going into the future, it's it's like the, the people who can show up and have presence and groundedness for others is the new, maybe highest paid position. And, and if we're going to use the, the the piece of monetary as still a reward system, where that's shifting into you know followers and love and expression. And it's just, I, I see this cool overlap that we won't get into today, but it's a pretty neat thing. that yeah. Yeah, I think we'll wrap it up here. I I think
0: what you're pointing to beautifully is this idea of this currency of exchange where, you know, seeing your success financially, I see it completely related to the currency that you're really offering people, which is this love currency. It's like your way of being and offering and being in service and showing up perhaps in ways that people have never experienced before, um, especially for someone in the financially forward business, um, it, it's, it's this, it's, they go, they're parallels. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think we're, I think we're starting to feel as a society that, that, you know, the amount of money that we make, it's not enough. Um, it can never be enough in a certain way because how we actually feel inside matters most. Yeah. And so that cultivating that currency, um, from the internal out, I think is everything.
1: Yeah, and by forming a business and choosing to walk into the world and show up as a support, as a presence, as love, and to, to give and to, to help others learn through experience, right, the, the best mistakes to learn from are someone else's. And as we can do that for other people and help them along their path, the, the reward for that on the backside, on the back end is success. Yeah, you'll have success in what you're doing, you'll have success by showing up for people, you'll have success by, by loving. And that, for me, has been a way of doing business for a really long time. And it really seems like uh, to, To quote Richard Rudd in the Gene Keys, you know, one of the Gene Keys talks about being that pioneer and starting something new, jumping off and making it happen. And it's, it resonates with me finding myself in this place where sometimes I feel like I'm all, all alone out on this ladder, you know, like looking over the edge going, really, I'm supposed to be the first one to jump and try this. Are you <laughs> sure? And, and realizing that, oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's the way I got, that's the way I wired myself. It's the way I chose to show up and to just lead by example
0: yeah when when did you first create that? Hmm. was that, the, was that the, that's not an actual question I was just That, <laughs> <laughs> that was your uh,
1: right. What was that was that how you phrase it? Yeah when, when did you when did I actually create that that's the way it was going to be? Yeah yeah and I actually I could probably take it back to that I created it by choosing the day and the year and where I was born. So that all of the planets and their frequency and light and energy shined upon me
0: and created this unconscious
1: at birth way of operating under the surface. That is, I think, how so much of us operate. Yeah. And then leaning into that and discovering it and finding ways to exemplify that and to show that to the world and be grounded in it and to give that as a light. It's like a beacon as a as a lighthouse you know and when, when you asked me earlier when we started you know what do i do and it's it's that walking on the planet and creating moments of awe with people but simultaneously mentoring entrepreneurs to have success in their industry and and doing that through facilitation and doing that through one-on-one and doing through that through love and through reframe and through experiential knowledge and sometimes just hanging out just getting to live yeah together. totally
0: yeah, the one gene key that ties them all together, 55, mm. the shadow's victimization and then the city and the gift of freedom. And I'm like thinking about how this ties so much into business too, because we we want to be successful, but what is that for? I mean, for me, it's a larger a sense of freedom. It's like my kind of intrinsic core value freedom. Um, but I think it really is for all of us on some level. And... Um, I think it's important to just remember the feeling of what that feel that freedom is and, and let that carry you more forth through what whatever you're doing, whatever your
1: endeavor is. It's kind of like an internal solar panel being charged by light. Nice. Right? That yeah, that doing of that is what internally charges me and, and charges my battery, and I feel fulfilled and I feel warmed and I feel light up and I feel alive and I feel like can't I have a hard time going to bed at night and I'm waking up early in the morning and it's you know it's like that solar panel that's always being charged by the sun
0: it's what allows you to to kind of work through the obstacles the obstacles don't feel like obstacles perhaps if you have that charge
1: right I get to I, I get to have this experience I get to come out the other side I get to figure it out I get to I'll load a trailer on the back of another trailer, and then have to find some weird, random way to architect how to get it off. And it's like, oh, that was really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. Instead of let thing. it be the bane of your day. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, as we wrap up here, I guess my last question for you is: how do how do people get a hold of you? Do you, um, you know, what do you want to really offer? Is you know, you mentioned a little bit about it, but I figure we'll We'll finish with that.
1: Yeah. uh, My cell phone number is 303-579-7227. Text is amazing. Um, We have a a business website out there. And um, probably uh, through Luminous Possibilities, you know, jumping back and um, hitting that link that gets you to to that cool webpage where you can find all about us, all of us and what we do and how we show up. And you know, putting a request into there or, you know, ending up at an event that we're hosting or holding or uh being a part of. And there's an email out there, but it's really long. So we'll just leave that, <laughs> that text numbers. Probably, what did, go ahead. Yeah, y- your business name Life Made to Order.
0: Yes. What's uh, that mean to you? Uh
1: Life Made to Order is uh is the opportunity to choose the feeling of what I'd like every day and every moment of my life to be and recognizing that it is made to my order. And I'm ultimately the architect of this grand life of travel. And uh, we've been talking about going to Egypt for a year. And so that trip's about to happen. So there'll be lots of fun posts and uh, it's gonna be fun having you along.
0: can't trip. wait to go. Yeah, can we going pictures
1: and foof. Um, A life made to order is that that choosing. It's being intentional with what you want your life to look like. And recognizing that our habits and our thought processes have gotten us to where we are today. And to just once you recognize, once I recognize that for myself, it was like, okay, how do I tweak that thought process and habits and the way I show up in order for my life to more align with how I want it to feel, opposed to being that I'm having to experience it based on life happy to me it's me choosing to make life happen and we call that LMTL or life made order
0: amazing thanks andre
1: look forward to the next time we talk thanks me too thanks all right again, appreciate you
0: yeah i appreciate you too love you love you too